1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Dimensions, a Twilight Zone podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing Season 1, Episode 11, and When the Sky Was Opened. It was written by Rod Serling, based on a story by Richard Matheson. It was directed by Douglas Hayes, produced by Buck Houghton. And in the cast were Rod Taylor, Jim Hutton, Charles Aidman, and a few others that we will discuss a little later on, but those were the main three. You can watch it on Hulu, Amazon Prime, the DVDs, the Blu-rays, or through pirated Illegalacy, which I will not condone, and or support because there are plenty other ways to see it without having to resort to that. It was originally aired on December 11th, 1959. And in case you didn't know, uh, spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen the episode, go ahead and shut this off, go watch it, come back and listen to the rest of the episode. And then while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and leave me some feedback. Um, Good, bad, or ugly, I take it all. Um, whether you like me, like the podcast, hate me, hate the podcast, think this show is stupid, think I'm wasting my time, whatever you want to tell me, I'm open to anything. If you would email me at DimensionsTZPodcast at gmail.com and tell me what you want to know, and I may just use it on the air. So, without further ado, here is Will lastly with the opening narration for
0: this episode. Take it away, Will. Her name, X-20. Her type, an experimental interceptor. Recent history, a crash landing in the Mojave Desert after a 31-hour flight 900 miles into space. Incidental data, the ship with the men who flew her, disappeared from the radar screen for 24 hours. But the shrouds that cover mysteries are not always made out of tarpaulin, as this man will soon find out on the other side of a hospital door. Thank you, Will, for the opening narration.
1: Will, lastly, if you don't know, a good friend of mine who does a lot of theater, movie reviews, comedy, and recently started a podcast of his own called Blood Brothers. Check it out on YouTube. Um... Very talented, very talented guy. Uh, does my voiceovers and narrations for Rod Serling on this on this podcast. And he's a very, very uh, talented guy. And I can't say uh, thank you enough to him for the help he's given me with this. So, as the opening narration suggests, we had three astronauts blast off into space in an experimental rocket which was, uh, if you know anything about sci-fi in the 50s, 60s, 40s, 30s, uh, every plane, every rocket, everything was always named X-something because it was more mysterious or something. I have no idea. But everything was always X-something. There was even a famous radio um, sci-fi program, uh, X-Minus-One, during the 40s and 50s. That was quite popular and as we discovered, the uh, astronauts disappeared from radar for 24 hours. Now, originally Rod Serling had planned on uh, filming a scene about the ship disappearing and, and crashing into the desert and the whole thing, uh, but it's proved too lengthy and too expensive to film so he did what any good writer or television maker would do and he covered it via uh, expositional narration ...in the beginning of the episode. Uh, so we start off with that. So... ...the three astronauts come back from space. The three astronauts are... ...Mr. Harrington... ...Mr. Gart... ...and... Uh, ...and their CEO, Colonel Forbes. So... ...these guys come back. They crash land in the desert. Uh, the only one with any real injuries... ...is Gart, who is stuck in the hospital with a broken leg or a banged-up leg, as it were. And you, you sort of get the feeling, and I'm, it never really says it, but it's it's, it's an army hospital. Um, there are a few things that kind of give it away, but it's an army hospital. It's not just a regular, it's not like Cedar Sinai or, or you know Vanderbilt or any hospital. It's, it's like a military hospital, like Walter Reed or something of that nature. So we kind of start the episode, um sort of almost near the end of the episode, uh, as it were, and you'll find out uh as the story goes on what I mean by that, because Colonel Forbes comes in to see Gart who is still in the hospital with the broken leg and and you can tell right off that, that Colonel Forbes is is He's upset. He's kind of rattled. He's kind of shaken, and you come to find out that that even though these two are very genial to each other, Forbes is kind of on edge. Where he finally breaks down and he says, "Okay, uh, something's happened," and starts asking Gart all kind of questions about, you know, how many of us were there on the ship. Uh, who walked out of the hospital with me, you know, when I left, uh, you know, earlier, you know, yesterday when I left the hospital, when I was discharged, you left with me. You know, questions you wouldn't normally hear a person who was, and I hate to use the term, in their right mind. You wouldn't You wouldn't think that would be questions that a person would ask. But he does. And, of course, Gart says, well, you know, you, you walked out of here by yourself because... You and I were the only two people that flew into space. And Forbes uh, holds up a paper, a newspaper, with the headline of, you know, Two Spacemen Return from Space. And it's got a picture of Forbes and Gart on the front page. So Forbes, still being, you know, kind of uh, uh, discombobulated, asks Gart, you know... For clarification on the events, he says that, you know, there were three people that left from the trip, Forbes, Gart, and Harrington. Gart doesn't know who Harrington is, never heard of Harrington, you know. um, Has no idea who this man is, never heard of him. To which, you know, he kind of, you know, says, well, you should probably be looked at then, you know, if you're thinking that there was a third person on the ship with us. And here's what I mean by we kind of started this episode... Toward the end of the episode, because this turns into Forbes basically telling the entire story of when he left the hospital the previous day, uh, when he was discharged, while Gart was still in there with a banged up leg. He goes on to tell Gart the story about when he was discharged, and we see it through flashback that... Gart, Harrington, and Forbes were all in the hospital room, and Harrington and Forbes were being discharged. And Forbes holds up the paper again, and you see that there are three men on the cover: Harrington, Gart, and Forbes. But two of them are being released, so you see Harrington and Forbes. They go to a bar. After they got discharged because, you know, you just got out of the hospital after flying into space for 31 hours after being off the radar for 24 and you crash land in the Mojave Desert and you wind up in the hospital for a day or two. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to get out and you're going to go to the bar because it's the 50s and why not? So they go to the bar. The bartender greets them and, you know, knows who they are and, you know, does the whole, way. Well, your money is no good here and pours them a beer. They start, uh, you know, interacting with the people. Um, Forbes starts flirting with uh, one of the women sitting at the bar. And then you see Harrington kind of becomes sort of uh, almost in a trance, almost trance-like and very concerned, very still, very preoccupied with something almost like he's trying not to vomit, and he actually lit a match to light his cigarette, and the match actually burns down to his fingertips and snaps him back into reality. And, you know, Forbes, you know, what's wrong? And Harrington tells him that he's got a feeling like he, like he doesn't belong there, or like if he'd, if he'd stop thinking about it, he would basically just not exist anymore, he, like he would, would disappear And it's at this point that Harrington, in order to gain a little sanity, decides to go and call his parents and see, you know, just to talk to him, just to kind of get himself grounded again, I guess you could say. Uh, So he goes to the phone booth and surprise, surprise, uh, his parents never heard of him. They don't have a son. They don't know who he is. Why is he bothering them? You know what I mean? The whole the whole thing. So Harrington, uh, basically, as a man who basically feels like he's no longer existing and no one knows him, starts to freak out a little. Surprise, surprise. Who would have saw that coming, right? You know, Twilight Zone episode, somebody freaking out because something uh, extraordinary is happening to them. Uh, So he starts to freak out a little. Forbes comes to his aid, you know, tries to, you know, Tries to talk him down and and everything. And so he goes back to the bar, you know, to try to get some help. And he turns around and Harrington is gone. And you can't find him anywhere. Don't know where he is. No one's seen him. No one's heard of him. No one knows him in the bar. Forbes goes back up to the bar, to the bartender where he sees the newspaper that now says two spacemen have returned from their flight, and Harrington is no longer in the picture. So, of course, Ford starts to freak out a little. The bartender says, you know, you came in here alone. I don't know why you're, you know, are you all right? Are you feeling okay? Do you need to go to the hospital or something? So Forbes decides to go home and kind of calm down. And while he's at home, he... He gets a knock at the door, and his girlfriend is actually home. Uh, He was supposed to meet her at the station. He never made made it to the station. He basically completely forgot about it in light of the events that were taking place. Um, So, of course, she was obviously upset with him about it. Who wouldn't be? Um, You know, you can get left at the station. No one comes to pick you up, even though you sent a telegram and... You know, people forget that can kind of that can kind of cheese you off a little bit, I suppose. So then Forbes has the idea of the telegram. You know, the telegram said that that he and Harrington were getting released, and that he would be at the station to pick her up. And so he he gets a telegram from her, and and it says that you know he was coming, he, he was getting released, Forbes and that he was going to meet her at the station, and nothing about Harrington didn't even exist. So he Forbes puts a call in to his commanding officer, and he gets him on the phone, and the commanding officer never heard of Harrington. You know, there were only two guys that went into space, etc., etc., the whole story all over again. Bear in mind, we're still seeing all this in flashbacks, being told by Forbes to Gart in the hospital the next day after Forbes and Harrington were released. So, after talking to his CEO, uh, Forbes basically loses his mind and decides to go find Harrington. He th- he's thinking, you know, it's all a joke. Harrington will be back at the bar, so on and so forth. It's all an elaborate ruse that's being played on him and so on and so forth. So, he goes back to the bar, and the bar, of course, at this time of night is already closed up. So... Forbes basically jumps through the plate glass of the door of the bar and looks around and and rummages through the place and, of course, can't find any trace of Harrington or anyone else in the bar at the time because it's it's closed. And it's at this point that he actually just breaks down. And then he goes the next morning to talk to Gart, who's still in the hospital. So now we're back in present day, present time, they're in the hospital, and Forbes says that Harrington was, quote-unquote, yanked out of here, and that it is, uh, quote-unquote, going to come back to get us. And while he's talking about this, he starts to feel this happy, almost uh, delirious feeling as he's talking to Gart about this. And at this point he looks in the mirror and he and he can't see his reflection which freaks him out even more and he basically lets out a yelp and he runs out the door now gart in an attempt to help his friend and help his co- his, his uh, colleague hobbles out after him literally you know 3 seconds after Forbes hits the door as Gart standing in the, in the doorway in, of the hall. And Forbes is gone. Not a, not a person in sight coming down the hallway except the nurse who stops Gart and, you know, says, hey, you shouldn't be out of bed with your broken leg and, and, and all this. Uh, of course, Gart, you know, well, I just was trying to catch, you know, Colonel Forbes. And, of course, she's like, who's Colonel Forbes? Whatever, whatever doesn't exist. So the nurse helps Gart back into bed and uh, Gart sees the paper which the headline now says Lone Spaceman Returns to which we see the camera pan up and Gart lets out a sort of yelp and disappears to which we see the commanding officer come down the hallway with the nurse. And the nurse says, well, the, the room on the end is, is, you know, empty. And so the commanding officer says, well, let's go look at it. And they go look at it. And, of course, no trace of any of the three men ever have been in that room or have been in that room or being in there now. And the episode ends. So here is Will lastly again with the closing narration for this episode.
0: Once upon a time, there was a man named Harrington, a man named Forbes, and a man named Gart. They used to exist, but don't any longer. Someone or something took them somewhere. At least they are no longer a part of the memory of man. And as to the X-20 supposed to be housed here, in this hangar, this too does not exist. And if any of you have any questions concerning an aircraft and three men who flew her, speak softly of them, and only in The Twilight Zone.
1: All right, as always, thank you, Will lastly, for that uh, closing narration to this episode. So, uh, this episode was directed by Douglas Hayes, who was born in 1919 and died in 1993. Uh, This would be his first of nine Twilight Zone episodes that he would direct. He would go on to direct four episodes in season one, five episodes in season two. Uh, Some favorites of most Twilight Zone fans and and Uh, even people that aren't necessarily Twilight Zone fans, but enjoy a good episode. Um, Some of the ones he directed were The After Hours, The Howling Man, Eye of the Beholder, and The Invaders. So we will talk about those as they come up. Of course, some more in this season, some in the next season. We'll get to them in due time. So he also directed... Uh, 45 other projects, most being TV shows. He also wrote and adapted uh, for TV in the 1980s, the miniseries North and South, which if you were a child of the 80s, your mother probably watched that miniseries because Patrick Swayze was on it, and he was topless uh, a lot, and he had his shirt off for... A good portion of it, and you know everybody was Swayze crazy back then, so you know, uh, good with that. But that was done by Douglas Hayes. He actually adapted it and uh, helped co-write it and and wrote a good bit of it. So that's a little something. Uh, Rod Taylor played Colonel Forbes. He was born in 1930 and he died just recently in 2015 of a heart attack he had 92 IMDB credits to his name starting with a short movie Inland with Sturt in 1951 and ending with playing Winston Churchill in the Quentin Tarantino film *Inglorious Bastards in 2009 and um, I didn't know that, and I, I had to go back and, and watch it again, and it's, it's yeah, it's Rod Taylor playing Winston Churchill in Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. And my understanding was he didn't necessarily want the role, but he was uh, hounded by Quentin Tarantino several times to take it and finally relented, and he became Winston Churchill in that movie. So, if you haven't seen that movie, give it a watch. It's, uh, it's a bit strong to get through, but it's it's quite a good movie, and Christoph Waltz puts in one heck of a performance as a Nazi officer, and it's it's, it's quite something to see. Uh, a little bit of trivia for that movie, um, the character of Donnie Donowitz, played by Eli Roth, uh, was originally supposed to be played by Adam Sandler, but he wouldn't wasn't able to do it due to scheduling conflicts, so they had to have Eli Roth come in and do it. So next time you watch that movie, think about that and think that could have been Adam Sandler with the baseball bat. So there's a little trivia for you. Uh, A little extra trivia. A little bonus trivia. Um, He mostly, back to Rod Taylor, uh, mostly played in TV shows and westerns as well as different anthology and TV series like Playhouse 90 and General Electric Theater. He starred in H.G. Wells' The Time Machine, and he was also the male leading character in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, If you haven't seen it, by all means, please do. It's a great movie. Now, moving on... uh, Jim Hutton, or James Hutton, as he was also known, played Gart, the guy in the hospital with the busted-up leg. He was born in 1934 and died in 1979 from liver cancer. So he only lived 20 years after the making of this episode before he passed on. Now, another uh, piece of bonus trivia, he was the only person on the Twilight Zone, any any uh, any reincarnation of the show, to come from Rod Serling's hometown of Binghamton, New York. He had 47 credits on his IMDb, starting with Combat Heroes of World War II in 1956 and ending with Butterflies, which was a failed TV pilot in 1979. He played mostly in war and western movies and TV shows. Uh, he, according uh, Accordingly, he could play either dramatic or funny such as the 1967 movie Who's Minding the Mint with Milton Berle. So, uh, sadly, passed away too soon uh, but liver cancer will do that. And lastly, the the guy everybody talks about, that no, really, no one really saw, Charles Aidman played Harrington in the episode. Charles Aidman was born in 1925 and he passed away in 1993 from cancer. He had 183 or 182 credits, I'm sorry, on his IMDb, including. Two Twilight Zone episodes, uh, this one and the episode Little Girl Lost in Season 3, which we will get to. He also would be the narrator for two seasons of the 1980s Twilight Zone revival. Um, He started his acting career in 1957 with the Goodyear Playhouse and ended with his Twilight Zone narration job in the 80s. So that will wrap up the bios on the people that starred in the episode. Now, there were a couple of female characters and the bartender uh, in the episode, but, I mean, very small parts. um, I mean, there were basically, the people were basically set dressing at that point. Um, Even to a point, Harrington was basically set dressing. He was there just for um, plot device, more or less. So, let's move on to the trivia of the episode. So, this was the first episode featuring a story by Richard Matheson. Stories by him would, would, would uh, weigh predominantly um, through the series. Between him and Rod Serling, uh, a lot of the stories came from those two men themselves. He played quite a pivotal role in the uh, Twilight Zone. In an interview, uh, Rod Serling said that the quick disappearance of Gart at the end of the episode was because with the other two characters of Forbes and Harrington gone, uh, there was really nothing holding him there, and he disappeared. To which I always kind of wondered about this episode, that if Forbes had never come back to the hospital to talk to Gart about Harrington disappearing and then watching himself disappear would Gart have actually ever disappeared would knowing that the other two disappeared make him disappear or would the the ignorance of not knowing keep him grounded that's a question I kind of always had about this episode and it always kind of weighed on me but then I think well this is a TV show from 60 years ago and they're allowed a little leeway in in my mind, so moving on uh Serling originally thought that the sensation of being pulled from existence should be um painful and terrifying, but Hayes uh said it should be more of a a enlightening or euphoric sort of of thing, and so Serling relented and and let Hayes shoot it the way he wanted to. And lastly. Uh, Rod Taylor when he went back to the bar. Playing Forbes. When he went back to the bar after the bar was closed. To find. Uh, to see if he could find Harrington. thought everyone was playing a, a big joke on him. Uh, wasn't supposed to crash through the, through the plate glass of the bar door. Uh, but. Hayes came up with the idea that that Forbes would be so out of his mind that he wouldn't even bother trying to open the door, or trying to jimmy the lock, that he would just burst through the glass because he was in such a state of, of panic and unease that he would just do that and not worry about, you know, trying to get in any other way. And Rod Serling thought in the end it was a great idea and, and, and let Hayes do his thing. Now for the goofs of the episode um when Forbes toward the end of the episode uh was looking in the mirror and supposedly doesn't see his reflection uh you can see his arm and uh in in part of the mirror so you know the mirror was actually working and he actually could see his reflection but it was just not the greatest camera work uh done on that that particular um, effect, which is not surprising. I mean, uh, once again, we're talking sixty years ago. We're still somewhat in the infancy or juvenility of TV as a medium. So all the uh, tricks and and that that are used today, back then they couldn't hold a candle to that sort of of trickery that's used today. And honestly, if that's you know, if that's the worst it gets, that's minor in comparison to anything else. Uh, Another one was uh, in the the newspaper, on two of the three papers, you know, the different papers they use between one spaceman, two spacemen, and three spacemen crash landing back. Uh, In two of the three papers, the word Air Force is misspelled. So so that's pretty interesting. Um, When they're in the bar, another goof, the... uh, the beer glasses that the that the bartender pours for them are pretty much mostly foam when he pours them but uh when he sets them on the bar miraculously they're mostly beer with just a little bit of foam and you'll see that in episodes of the twilight zone whenever somebody goes to a bar and orders a beer more often than not the beer is mostly foam when it gets poured so Bartenders apparently in the Twilight Zone don't know how to pour a beer properly. They haven't been trained, and that's kind of sad, in my opinion. And lastly, with the goofs, uh, when Gart is in the hospital toward the at the end of the episode, he's in the hospital for having a broken or banged up leg, but yet when Forbes runs out of the room and disappears, Gart is able to get up out of the hospital and basically run to the door with a broken leg, and he has no cast on or anything like that. You know, so that's that's kind of interesting. Um, no cast, but yeah, he's got a broken leg. So that could have been, you know, done a little better. So, uh, let's move on to the likes and dislikes of this episode. So, uh, what did I like about this episode? Well, I liked that the acting was very good. Um, decent cinematography. Uh, you know, we discovered some goofs, but... Goofs happen. Goofs happen in literally everything. I mean, uh, look at Saving Private Ryan. There's a guy storming the beach of Normandy with a calculator watch on his wrist. You know, I don't think they existed in the 40s. So, I mean, you know, that kind of stuff is not immune today. And it certainly wasn't immune to TV shows 60 years ago. And that's kind of stuff that it's going to happen regardless. You just, you know, get a chuckle at it and you move on. I'm not going to, you know, nitpick and and downgrade any any sort of episode for something as silly as, you know, you see part of an arm in a mirror when a guy's not supposed to be as, you know, see his reflection in the mirror. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to chastise anyone for that, obviously. Um, but I really like the, the acting of the episode. I thought the cinematography was well. And uh, I, I like the idea of the story. The idea of the story was, was quite something. As well, uh, it's, it's, It was an interesting idea, especially at the time, and definitely it still holds up to this day. So, on to the dislikes. Um, this is an episode I feel, and I've probably said this before about other episodes, I'm sure I have, that this one should have been an hour-long episode. I would have liked to have seen more fleshing out of the story, more fleshing out of the characters, more backstory to the characters and their flight and everything else out of, like, the scene, the crashing scene or the, you know, disappearing from radar business that Rod Serling originally had planned but wasn't able to film. And, I mean, other than that, that's basically my only gripe with the with the episode. Other than it's just not really one of my favorites. I mean, I like it. You know, it's not the worst episode by far, but it's not my favorite either. It's one of those middle-of-the-road background sort of, you know, you're washing dishes, you want to put an episode of the twilight zone on while you're washing dishes or something, throw this one on, you know, and, and, you know, you'll still get enjoyment out of it, but it's not, you know, it's not one of the good ones. Definitely not Douglas Hayes best directing episode either. Um, but we'll discover more of his episodes when they pop up later in this season. So let's move on to the moral or philosophy of this episode. Um, I think maybe what we can learn from this episode is that life is unstable. Um, You know, you're here one minute, you're gone the next. And what you do in the meantime is the only thing that really matters. And maybe we can learn that what we have planned may not always be what happens. Maybe we take away from this episode that we should roll with the punches and not be afraid of what's to come. I don't know. What do you think? Let me know. Write to me. Tell me what you think can be gleaned from this episode. I'd love to hear it. So let's move on to if the episode were remade today. If Hollywood came a call in and said, Bill, how would you cast this episode if this episode were made today? And it's not the greatest, but here's what I would like to see. For Colonel Forbes, I would like to see John Boyega. I feel like, um, you know, the Star Wars connection, definitely something for someone going into space, but I also think that he's actually a pretty good actor, and I'd like to see him do something a little more than just shooting at, you know, stormtroopers. For Harrington, um, I think Ethan Embry would be a good one because, uh, ever the, the supporting character, uh, I think he would be good in that, and I think he would play well, and for the, for the character of Gart, I would like to see Matthew Lillard, because I think he actually has the ability to pull off both funny and serious, and we've seen that, you know, in his, in his, uh, movies, and, 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 And that before, he can do both. And I think he would do well in that. So let's move on to Forbes' girlfriend, Mary. Uh, Sarah Silverman. Why not? You know, give her a little something to do. Hopefully it would be a longer than 30-minute episode, so maybe we could have a little more of their relationship in there. And that would be something to see. For the woman at the bar that Forbes hits on, uh, Jillian Jacobs, because the woman in the episode, uh, when you watch the episode, you'll see what I mean, kind of reminds me of Jillian Jacobs. And if you don't know who she is, she is the blonde from Community, and she's been in several other things, Uh, but that's probably what you'd mostly know her from. And as always, putting a big actor in a small role, because I just like the idea of that. For the bartender, let's put Ed O'Neill as the bartender. Kind of similar to the way it was in uh, the Wayne's World movies where he played the maniacal soda jerk. I kind of like the idea of that character being brought into a bartender in the Twilight Zone. I think that would be interesting. So that's my uh, casting choices. Of course, if you have your own, write me let me know, let me know what they are and I'll, and I'll tell the world or at least the 12 people listening to me so let's discuss next week's episode uh, next week's episode is titled What You Need and it's the 12th episode of season 1 and in this episode an old man can see the future so that sounds like fun so let's move on to listener feedback. I only have one little bit of listener feedback, and it's from Austin, who has written in before. Uh, he says, hello, Bill. Still listening. Glad to have you back. Hope the move went relatively smoothly. Well, it did. Thank you for, uh, thank you for saying so, Austin. I appreciate that. It went well. Uh, getting settled finally, and it's great to uh, be back in the swing of things. He goes on to say, When the sky was opened is another early favorite of mine. Nothing better to cause a teenager existential dread than thinking you could just disappear one day and no one would know you existed. Have a great week, he says. Well, that's definitely something to think about, isn't it? Uh, Especially if you're a young teenager still uh, trying to keep an open mind and something like this comes along and the idea that you could disappear and no one ever knew you existed is uh is quite something quite something indeed and uh thank you Austin again for writing in please write in anytime tell me and then everyone write into me write into me tell me what you want to hear tell me what you think I should improve or get rid of or Tell me to go, you know, go to hell. I don't care what you tell me. Tell me something. Write to me at dimensions, tzpodcast, at gmail.com. And uh, it looks like the old clock on the wall is telling me it's time to go. So I will see you next episode. And have a good day.